We're in Mark chapter 12. You can turn there. From my thinking, one of my favorite chapters and one of my favorite books. You say, you say that about a lot of stuff. You know, one of my favorite Bible books, that's one of our homework questions this week. What's your favorite Bible book? So you now you get time to think about it. One of mine is Mark. I'm really happy with the book I'm teaching, and I have 66 books that just throw my soul. I, that's the way it is. But Mark's one of my favorite. And I have, like everybody else, is, you know, Jewish dietary laws in Leviticus. They don't take me where I want to be. Sorry? I'm not trying to be critical of the Word of God. Everything's there for a purpose, and it's all the Word of God. But I'd rather teach on, like, like I say, Mark chapter 12 than Leviticus. You know, that, that part about, uh, you know, uh, what do you do if you have a festering leprosy and the spot is higher than the skin and it's hard. And it, uh, okay. Okay, I get it. It's a type of sin, and it's very interesting to study. But, uh, you know, there's some, we all have our favorites. This is one of my favorites. So, you know, it starts out in the parable of the vineyard. Very exciting stuff. We'll, we'll start there this morning. And then it goes into, the, they're trying to trip him up. They saw the Pharisees and Herodians, hey, is it lawful to pay tribute to Caesar or not? Good stuff, right? And then the, uh, he, he doesn't get tripped up. Um, spoiler alert, right? Uh, Sadducees, they come to him, they're trying to trip him up, and they're asking about the resurrection. They have that ridiculous story of the, the woman who married seven brothers, um, and, you know, we'll, we'll cover those things here this morning. And I love Jesus. And I love the, the way he handles the critics, the ones who are trying to, um, like I say, trip him up, trying to find fault. Uh, and then um, he goes on. Uh, the, one of the scribes said, what's the most important commandment? We won't get that this morning. That's going to be next week's stuff, God willing. And then, so... Uh, Verse 34, one of my favorite uh, verses in all of Scripture, in the end of it, and no man after that durst ask him any question because they're tired of coming away with the fuzzy end of the lollipop. If, you're, if you remember, Jesus in the Judean wilderness with Satan, Jesus three, Satan nothing. Here it's the same thing. So these different groups come to him. If you're scoring, Jesus three, uh, Pharisees, scribes, Team, team loser, I call them, zero. They just nothing, okay? And that's how it goes. And I, I love that. I, I love that about the Lord, undefeated all the time. Um, and so and then he has a question, and they really wrestle with it. Nobody can answer him. And Matthew goes on to talk about that at length. And then he goes off on the Pharisees. He, 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 give, he gives them some scalding words of rebuke. And that, again, is, I think it's like a whole chapter in Matthew. I think it's Matthew chapter 22. I can't, I'm only going by memory. And then there's finally that, that uh, the widow's mites, and that's how the chapter ends. So a lot of exciting stuff here. Let's jump in. Okay, we should, uh, we should probably pray. Father, you're, uh, it's your word. It, it, it thrills our heart. It thrills our soul. Lord, that you've been faithful over the years, and you've, moved in such a way and this building is paid off lord we dedicate it to the advancement of your kingdom lord it's 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 not the church we're the church and we totally get that but it's the building that the church meets at 
and it's set aside for a purpose, Lord. That purpose is to, to glorify you and everything that goes on here. So thank and praise you. Now, Lord, as we break the bread of life, we pray that you'd feed us to overflowing, fill us up with your Son. It's in his name, the, the love, beloved name of Jesus that we ask this. Amen. Uh, I, I usually read, oh, I know what I meant to do. Duh. Isaiah chapter 5. Let's read it in the Old Testament before we read it in the New Testament. Isaiah chapter 5. I'll wait a second or two. Isaiah 5, uh, verse 1. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved, touching his vineyard. Touching, concerning, right? Touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill, and he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof, and planted it with the choicest vine, and built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a winepress therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. Think about the, the um, fig tree. No fruit. Does God want fruit? Oh, very much so. Now, uh, let me keep going. I'll get, I'll get off my game right away and not get back on it. He fenced it. Oh, I, I, I said that. Verse 3, And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem, men of Judah, judge, I pray thee, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. And I'll go too. I tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up. And break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned nor digged. But there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For this is key. Hold on to this. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah, his pleasant plant. He looked for judgment, but behold, oppression. For righteousness, but behold, a cry. Where's the fruit? Now, I said hold on to it. Go to John chapter 15. Israel is the vine. Not anymore. Let no fruit grow on you henceforth forever. You know, I don't think it's a curse on Israel. I think it's a curse on religious Israel. I think it's a curse on, if I can just say it, religion. Chapter 15, this is a game changer. Verse 1, I am the true vine. Israel? No, Jesus Christ. And my father is the husbandman. I'm not being anti-Semitic. This is what Jesus says. I'm not anti-Semitic. You know, guys all know that. Romans, all Israel will be saved. God's got a prophetic plan for that, that, that nation. Um, I will bless those who bless you, he said to Abraham. I'll curse those who curse you. Were never words that were ever rescinded. 
I'm the true vine, my father's the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Is Jesus after fruit? Oh, yeah. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Now the teaching goes on. I'm just going to curtail it right there. Mark chapter 12. He began to speak unto them by parables. Boy, he hasn't spoken in parables since Mark chapter 4. Why? Well, that's homework question number one. Okay. A certain man planted a vineyard and set a hedge about it and digged a place for the wine vat and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And at the season he sent to the husbandmen a servant that he might receive from the husbandmen of the fruit of the vineyard. And they caught him and beat him and sent him away empty. Wait, what? This is done in Israel all the time. You lease a certain amount of land. It's not their land, but somebody's leasing it. They plant the vineyard or the olive grove or the, uh, you know, barley or whatever it is that they're about growing. And the lease will say, okay, you're going to grow this, this, and this, and this percentage, the first of it comes to me. And then after that, you can have your profit and your, you have a profit margin. Why would you plant it otherwise? So I'm going to benefit. It's my land. I'm going to get something from it. You're going to get something from it. And this is the way God works. You know, winner, winner. Everybody's happy. Everyone goes away. There's no one who's victimized by the other. But we have victimhood here. They caught him and beat him and sent him away empty. Why would somebody do that? They're not keeping their end of the bargain. And again he sent unto them another servant. At him they cast stones and wounded him in the head and sent him away shamefully handled. And again he sent another. And him they killed and many others, beating some and killing some. So the, we found out in Isaiah 5, the vineyard is Israel. Jesus is telling a story about, hey, I went to get my, my fruit. And I sent these messengers, and it didn't work out really good for the messenger. And we look at the history of Israel, and names like Jeremiah, and Isaiah, and Zechariah come to... Zechariah, they killed. Isaiah, they put in a law and sawed it in two. Jeremiah was beaten and cast into a cistern, uh, a, a, a well. He, he sunk up in the mud, it didn't have any water in it, but it was all muddy, and he, he sunk almost out of sight. It, had a, it was quite a, quite a process to get him up out of there. Which of the prophets met with great success and great, none of them in the, in the, in the time of their ministry, and this is the history of Israel, and he's reading it back to them parabolically. Uh, Look, at, uh, he sent another, him they killed, many others, beating some and killing some. That's the history of it. Um, which of the prophets, Jesus say, haven't you shamefully you know, mishandled? And you, you can't hardly name one. I can't name any. Having yet therefore one son, 
his well-beloved, he sent him also last unto them, saying, they will reverence my son. And I guess again, but it's a parable, okay? But the uh, obvious, uh, the obvious reference, the obvious inference is, is this, last of all, that God sending them Jesus Christ. They'll reverence my son. Um, wrong answer, verse 7, but those husbandmen said among themselves, this is the heir, come, let us kill him, and the inheritance shall be ours. They were plotting to kill Jesus. What were they thinking? Is there not a God who's just, who, won't, who, who doesn't see, and people get away with stuff? This is bad thinking. I, but you look at the you know, religious people, Man, that guy healing on the Sabbath. That's a horrible thing. Us plotting to kill him on the Sabbath. Well, that's, you know, that's fair enough. Uh, I, I look at religion. Why, why do I hate it so much? Because they often, it's, it's the, where you strain at a gnat and you swallow a camel. <sighs> they took him, killed him, and cast him out of the vineyard. We'll be reading about that in the upcoming chapters. He's in Jerusalem, and that's the goal. That's the end. That's the, how the story's going to play out. Will it end in his death? Oh, no. <laughs> Gloriously not. I don't want to give away the ending, okay? Uh, what shall therefore the Lord of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the husbandmen and will give the vineyard unto others. Others? Read here. You, <laughs> me, the church of Jesus Christ. If there's fruit to be had, the church of Jesus Christ will produce the fruit. If there's evangelism to happen, the church of Jesus Christ will evangelize. If there's prison doors to open and captives to liberate, the church of Jesus Christ will. Who else? There's no plan B. You are it. With that in mind, man, we got some gates of hell to assault. There's captives galore here in central Maine. I have a vision. I, I really do. I think there's something the Lord spoke to my heart. I want this. Are you okay with your neighbors going to hell? Your children going to hell? Your grandchildren going to hell? You okay with that? I'm not. I'm not. I want to make Kennebec Valley a place that's impossible to go to hell from. I don't care what your disposition is. I don't care how badly you want to step all over the gospel and go to hell. I want to make, you've got to move out of town. You've got to get away from here and then go to hell. If you're really dead set on it. I want to evangelize. I've got a vision. I've got, a, I've got God speaking in my heart. Is this okay that people are perishing, that the devil's winning, that this is the drug capital of America? Is that okay? Is it okay that women are abused here? Okay that rape goes on? Is it okay that they're teaching in our schools that the myth of evolution? Or that there's more than two genders? You assign one at birth and you can move back and forth between all 72 genders. Is that okay with you? I don't think 
Sometimes when I'm teaching, it's like shooting a flock of ducks or like when you see a lot of you know, deer in a field. You can't shoot the whole herd. You know what I mean? You can't just like point a shotgun in the sky and spray right quick and get all the ducks. They, people try to do that, and it's called a miss. But you can shoot one duck out of the sky. And I think we got to choose. We'll get one duck at a time or whatever. I, 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 it's got nothing to do with ducks, by the way. What, do, what are we focusing on? Let's focus on it. Let's assault the gates of hell. Satan's not going to give up his territory, not without a fight. When we involve God in the fight, what happens? Oh, glorious things. Ask, ask. We're not a big church. Does it matter to you? Is, is numbers the thing? Ask Goliath. He's still trying to get the number of the truck that ran him over. It was David and God, and that constitutes a majority every time. You don't believe me? Ask Gideon. Ask the Midianites. Gideon says, yeah, okay, me and the 300, you guys are in deep weeds. Gideon, 300, and God against, what was it, 750, a big number, big, big number. Who cares? Is the outcome, when we employ God in the equation, ever in doubt? Read the book of Joshua, okay? I ain't got time for, to develop it right now, but I, God's working my heart. I really have a, a vision. Uh, sticking around, praying for the rapture, hoping, keeping our heads in the foxhole. That's not what God has in mind. He's communicating to me, and I'm rolling it out, communicating it to you. They took him, killed him, cast him out of the vineyard. What therefore shall the Lord do to the vineyard? He will come and destroy the vineyard, and he will give the, uh, uh, destroy the husbandman, and he will give the vineyard unto you. Because he's looking for fruit, and he wants it. And by the way, if we're not ready to produce fruit, he'll just go to somewhere else. He's going to get his fruit. You want to be part of the process, I guess is the question. I do. Have you not read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. You know, in uh, uh, Isaiah 5, there's no head of the corner. That comes from uh, uh, Psalm 118. Boy, we should read that. Yeah, we're going to read that. Uh, Why does he employ that here? Because the story ends up with the death of the son. But that's not how the story in real life ends up. They do kill the son. But the stone which the builders rejected, the death of Jesus Christ, becomes the measurement by which all measurements are measured. Some of you are builders. You understand what a cornerstone is. You set the cornerstone. You measure off everything. Your eternity is measured off the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. But let's go to Psalm 118. We read it a long time ago because remember Psalm 119. We took forever on that. We took 11 Sundays reading Psalm uh, 119, but Psalm 118, uh, let's go there for our uh, edification. And um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. So let's start in verse 16. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. Uh, let me read that again. Jesus is exalted. Jesus doeth valiantly. You do know Jesus is the right hand of God, right? And 
code language in the Bible, when he's talking about the right hand of God, it's always talking about salvation. Therefore, it's always talking about Jesus Christ. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Huh. Imagine that verse there. The Lord hath chastened me sore, but he hath not given me over to death. Is that what Jesus is saying? Sure. <laughs> he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them, and I will praise the Lord. The gate of the Lord, into uh, which the righteousness shall enter. I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me, and art become my salvation. The stone which the bill has refused has become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes, isn't it? This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad. And we talk about that like Sunday. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it because we're going to church. No, it's really talking about the resurrection day. But every day the Lord's made, so you can rejoice any day you want. Save now, I beseech thee. Uh, we read in the New Testament, Hosanna. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord which hath showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords even unto the horns of the altar. Wait, isn't that a really strange place to put that? Oh, no. That's not actually cords. It's nails. It's not actually an altar. It's a cross, but you get the picture in the Old Testament what the New Testament is portraying. Thou art my God, I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. O give thanks unto the Lord for his good, for his mercy endureth forever. And it's best seen in the cross of Jesus Christ. Back to Mark. Haven't you read? Haven't you read? Uh, that's what they were singing. Uh, one of the things they were singing as Jesus was coming into town. Haven't you read that? Haven't you got? And every time he says that, the guys would get so upset. Haven't you read this? Don't you know this verse? Have you not read the scripture stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they sought to lay hold of him, uh, but feared the people, for they knew they had spoken the parable against them. That answers question number one. And they left him and went their way. They left him. That's sad. Why didn't they follow after him? Does God hate the Pharisees? No. Does he hate the religious leaders? No, he hates their religiosity. So much so, he, he cleanses the temple when we read that last week. He, he doesn't like their practices, but he loves Herodians, he loves Pharisees, he loves scribes, and he loves Sadducees. And they sent unto him certain of the Pharisees and of the Herodians to catch him as words. These are not natural bedfellows. Herodians follow Herod. He's an appointee of the Roman government. Pharisees are like hyper pro-Israel, the patriots. They wouldn't, but the friend, uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. They're going to get together because they both are against Jesus. So they, they're trying to catch him in his words. Is that important? Yeah. That's, that's a homework question. And when they will come, they say unto him, Master, we know that thou art true and carest for no man, but thou regardest not the person of men, but teachest the way of God in truth. That's flattery. They don't believe any of that. But they're trying to puff him up. Be, be wary when people try to puff you up. 
Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Tax time. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? The tax in Israel about this is about 45% at this time, as far as anyone can tell. When Israel isn't, uh, when it's its own kingdom, it's closer to 30%. There's a tribute going on they're paying to. Here, rule over us. Here's money so you can crush us. It was not a popular tax. It was tribute tax to Caesar. They maintain the roads. They maintain a fighting force uh, in Judea. They keep it safe. Nobody wants to pay for it because, guess what? We hate you, Romans. Go home. We want to have our own kingdom back. And they were extorting the people. You, you'll pay this tax or you'll die. We'll throw you in prison or crucify you or whatever. And it wasn't popular. Now, if Jesus says, yeah, you should pay the tax, his followers are going to say, what kind of savior are you? We say, and save now. We want you to deliver us from this oppressive regime. And now you're telling us to pay tax to them? Are you kidding me right now? Or he'll say, no, don't pay tax to Caesar. And he'll say, hey, hey, Roman people, we get, uh, we get this uh, troublemaker over here. Either way, all his followers go from frenzy, Jesus mania to zero, like right now. They've really got him on the horns of a dilemma. Jesus doesn't play by your rules. He always, he always calls outside the lines. You can't give him this or this. These are all the options. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not like that. I, I love this story more than, but you know it. You know it well. I don't know how to make it more colorful. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? A or B? Choose. There it is. Either way we win, you lose. So, so sad being you, isn't it? Shall we give or shall we not give? But he knew the hypocrisy. People who try to trip up God is always hypocritical. It's always hypocritical. Why tempt ye me, tempt me? Bring me a penny that I may see it. They brought it. And he said unto them, Who is this image and superscription? And they said, Abraham Lincoln. Well, it was a penny after all, right? Uh, denarius. Think denarius. It's a day's wage. It's a coin. And it has a picture of Caesar on it. And they said unto him, Caesar's. And Jesus answering and said unto them, It's not A, it's not B. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. So he says, the word render here, he says, give back to Caesar what Caesar owns. Give it back to him. Okay? They can't fault him. It's his. He wants it, give it back to him. But whose image, whose superscription is on you? You're creating the image of God. He's, he's not saying all this, but he's inferring it. Implying it. Inferring it. I never remember the... Impl I guess he's implying it. The speaker implies, the listener infers. Is that right? Gary, you know stuff. Okay. Okay. He's implying it. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God's. You know, give, give, give back Caesar. Give him back his stuff. But you, you have the image of God stamped on you. Give God you. I think it's all here. By the way, I, am I, is this obvious conclusion to us? 
Pay your taxes, by the way. Do that. They'll throw you in jail if you don't, or take your money, or whatever, fine you heavily. Pay your taxes. Taxes to whom taxes do. That's Romans, I think, chapter 13. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe chapter 14. I don't know. It's in there. Um, we're told several times, you know, honor to whom honor, custom whom custom, taxes whom taxes, all this stuff, right? We obey the government. Um, give the government their due. They do maintain the roads somewhat. This time of year, it's like, step up the maintenance. It's crazy out there. It's like a going down the street in like a, a rocking chair or something. But you call 911, somebody comes. They maintain a military. Was the world's only superpower once. Don't let me get too political. Stop, Adam, stop. Okay. They do a lot. They cost money. I wish I had uh, a chance to, I wish they had to come and collect each thing I wouldn't give for the arts, the humanities, not the way they do it, no. Uh, there's a lot of things I wouldn't give to the national uh, education, no, no. I think they take money and they waste it. They give it to countries who hate us. I don't want to pay taxes for that. But I'm glad that they have a fire department and they'll come and put your, uh, put your house out when it catches fire. I'm glad about stuff like that. Some taxes, yeah, I get it. But they don't get us, we don't have a chance to vote. Well, not in that sense. We have a chance to elect elected officials who make rules. Um, but put all that aside. Give to God what's God's. You. God wants that. Want anything else? He died to secure you. That's his great joy. Oh, Lord, my life was goofy. It was going sideways. It was just horrific. It was a mess. Here I am. Warts and all. Broken. You want this? You got it. He's like, yeah. I can take what's broken, make it new. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I want. It's God's will that none should perish. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar, unto God the things that are God. And they marvel at him. Why? Because he had no way out of that conundrum. There's, it's a little cul-de-sac. It was a dead end. He built the road right out of it. Uh, you, can't, you, can't, you can't win against him. Only when you're on his team, then you're always winning. Then come unto him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection. They asked him, saying, and I always have that bad joke. That they don't, the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. That's why they ask Sadducee. Uh, well, that's not hysterically funny, I know, but it kind of helps us to remember what they're all about. They only believe the first five books of Moses. But they didn't even really believe that, because Jesus is going to use that, what they should believe, to advance his, they're wrong. They're wrong. Uh, they didn't believe in supernatural, and they didn't believe in life after death. They didn't believe in any resurrection. You die, and that's it. My, point, my question is, what's the point? 
What's the issue, you know? I, I, I marvel at uh, atheists in their pursuit of trying to advance the cause of atheism. Dawkins, he makes me laugh. His whole reason is to go around the landscape teaching everybody. His, his purpose to being is to teach everyone that there is no purpose to being. What are you doing? We're all going to die, and then there's nothing. Why are you trying to advance that? What, what's the issue? He said, we're just dancing to our DNA. Well, my DNA says it's Jesus Christ. Why would you try to change my DNA? <laughs> if I, if I'm, my DNA says I have to believe. You can, what, what, what is the, what's, what's the argument? It's, if, you know, it's kind of like self. Uh, you know, people go around saying there's no right or wrong. There's no moral absolutes. Is that statement a moral absolute? And if it's not, why, what are you saying? There's no truth. It's all subjective. What about that truth statement you just uttered? And if it's not, if it's not absolute, why, why, why are you talking to me? You know, the whole argument just falls apart. It's really, people talk about right or wrong. They talk Big Bang cosmology, and they start trying to tell about what's right and what's wrong. The whole crowd are famous for this. I think racism is horrendous. Why? Because God created all men, and we're all equal in His sight. It's just genetics. We all got off the boat in, uh, with, with uh, Noah and his family. And so what a, what a skin pigment, uh, the shape of somebody's eyes, what does that have to do with anything? But if you believe in Big Bang cosmology, why is racism wrong? If you're woke, go back to sleep. You got nothing. Let's keep going. I, I, I always get political. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm going, I'm going. Hey, there's no resurrection. They asked him, Master, Moses wrote unto us, if a man's brother die and leave his wife behind, leave no children, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. It's called Leverite marriage. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 25. Interesting reading. We don't do that anymore. Okay? My, uh, I'm the oldest of five boys. So I die, and my next brother jumps in and says, okay, we're married now, and he takes over and he raises up seed. Enough said, 30,000 foot view, right? You're adults, you get it. From me and from my household, so my name isn't vanished from the register. It had to do with land and inheritance rights in Israel. I don't think there's anything wrong if, if your brother's wife die and you're a single man to marry her. I don't think it's, a, it's not forbidden. It's certainly not mandatory any, in any scriptures we see in the New Testament. And we don't get land-grant inheritance rights like Israel did. It, it just doesn't work that way. So it doesn't translate easy into the New Testament, but there was a time when that was what was supposed to be. Uh, Book of Ruth, right? That, that, that guy, I call him like loser guy. His name isn't given to us, okay? The one who is closer kinsman than Boaz. Boaz. Boaz is a type of Christ. You've got to figure out who that closer kinsman is. Interesting, whole study there. But you remember? Um, hey, I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll redeem the land. Oh, Ruth goes with the deal. 
Now he's like, no, I can't do that. Which kind of gives a big hint at his, who he's symbolic of. Anyway, so he's supposed to go in and his brother raise up seed. Now that's, that's scripture. There were seven brethren. The first took a wife and dying left no seed. The second took her and died. Neither left he any seed. The third likewise. And the seven had her and left no seed. Last of all, the woman died also. In the resurrection, therefore, when they shall rise, whose wife shall she be of them? For the seven had her to wife. That proves that there's no resurrection. Doesn't it? That's the stupidest thing. Maybe I've, well, there's some stupider, right? Uh, uh, can God make a rock so big that even he can't lift it? Can you make a question so dumb that I'm not even interested in answering it? I guess it's probably about, oh, that, uh, see, that proves, uh, you know, uh, where did we come from? Uh, God made us. Oh, yeah? Well, who made God? Oh, wow, that's a marvelous question. Let me just stand here and admire your great mental, uh, says bad Adam, but I don't, I don't say that. I, I mean, I try not to say stuff like that because it's really off-putting, but you guys, you've you got to know I think it, right? Uh, you, I, I said before, you'd be so proud of me, the things that I think, but I never find vocal expression. Um, and I try to deal with people lovingly and graciously. Um, I used to be really not very good at this at all. I want to win the argument. And if I make you look bad in the process and squish your little thing, I can do that. But it never advances my cause. It never advances the cause of Jesus Christ. Give to every man an answer for the hope that is in you. If they really have questions, if they're just mockers, they ain't time for a mocker. Sometimes I perceive that behind the mockery they might be looking for something. And I'll probe a little bit and I'll answer. And I'll try to be very sweet and I'll be, try to be very gentle. You can win the argument and lose the, lose the person. Remember, that's a soul creating the image of Jesus Christ that you want to accompany us in eternity. And so there's a gentleness, there's a lovingness. I mean, speak the truth in love. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I, I would have a real hard time not just raining all over their parade. Did you come up with that? Like, you, what are you, idiots? And by the way, I have a problem with <coughs> brothers four, five, and six. Okay, so the first guy dies and the second one marries her. That's very biblical. Do that, right? And then he dies and you're thinking, wow, that's strange. So the third guy in there. Listen, after three guys, you think, okay, what is she you know, grounding up glass and putting in their eggs every morning. What's going on here? Uh, I, I don't want to marry the black widow. I, I don't, you know, uh, guys four, five, and six, I'm just thinking like seven. What, what's going on here? This, isn't, this is pushing the law of averages way out of... But anyway, this doesn't prove anything. But this is their proof that there is no resurrection because they don't know. And the Pharisees would argue with them and say, well, the first one, of course. And they'd say, well, why? You know, what if the first one was only married for a week and the second guy was married for seven and a half years? What if the guy, second guy, the third guy was married for 14 years? What if, you know, they had all this ridiculous, like, that's not, that's not. Jesus answers it. In the resurrection, Whose wife shall she be? The seven had her to wife. She is answering, said unto them, You do not know, you do not, 
Do, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'll read. I'll read like I know what I'm doing. Do ye not therefore err because you know not the Scripture, neither the power of God? Please don't let that be you. They have two problems, and it's erroneous. Both of the problems. They don't know the Bible. They don't know the first five books, which they say they believe in. They don't know the power of God. That's a homework question. Which are you more prone to err on which side? Because I think we all have issues. None of us know the scriptures like we're supposed to know the scriptures. I, sometimes I come up with something that's so obvious. I, I, I read a scripture that's like 40th first time through, 44th time through the Bible. How did I not get this? How did I live not knowing this truth? And I always think like, it was right here, hiding in plain sight all the time. You come across that or is it just me? You, you read something that's like, oh my goodness, this is key. This is foundational. This is really important stuff. How come I didn't know this year one? That's how scripture is. We just, we keep learning. We never, we never know it all. It, it, we couldn't. If it's really the word of God, how do you, how do you exhaust the inexhaustible? And sometimes we don't know the power of God. Have you prayed for someone? No, they'll never come. They'll never get saved. I, I don't know that I have enough faith to pray that prayer. If I do, it's going to be kind of almost blasphemous because I don't believe it can happen. What's that all about? I don't think God's as powerful as he says he is. I say it to my shame. I, I've done that. I, I don't know if you have. Maybe it's just me. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it's just me. But I've done that. But it's an, it's an error. You do greatly err, not knowing the Scripture nor the power of God. And he's going to answer them. When they shall rise from the dead, does Jesus believe in resurrection? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The one who said, I am the resurrection and the life, yeah, he believes in resurrection. Okay. He not only believes in it, he is the resurrection. And when they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven. Now, I have to talk about this for a little bit. The angels in heaven do not procreate. There's a, mix, there's a certain number of them. When you're in heaven, you're, you, don't, you, don't, you don't procreate. God doesn't have grandchildren. He has children. There's going to be a fixed number of saints in heaven after it's all over, okay? Are we just a third of the angels that fell? How many is that? Um, 73 and a half billion. And so God's waiting for 73 and a half billion people to get saved. I don't know. I, don't, I, I have no idea. I don't know. Everyone who gets saved will be saved. Everyone whose name is written in the book of life, God's going to do what God's going to do. But we're not married in heaven. I know it's Stresses out some of us. Me. <laughs> I like being married to Sue's cast. Like, I really do. She's fun. Uh, and I got it sewed up for all eternity. I, say, I said to her, I said, like, if we can be like hanging out in heaven, you want to hang out? And she's like, yeah, so, sure. So I got it sewed up for all eternity. I don't know how it's going to work. But I don't think it works like that. I really don't. And I promised her, till death do us part, one of two things is going to happen. Our marriage is going to dissolve in the rapture, 
or one of us is going to die. I'm voting for selection A. But I don't know that. And if I die, do I hope that she never marries again? <laughs> She's like, I'll never, never marry again. I hope she marries a guy who will just treat her like a princess with a lot of money. That's what I, you know, I, will I, and I, I told her, I said, listen, don't take a date to my funeral. That would be kind of gross. But other than that, I don't care. I mean, I really, really don't. Is she violating some sort of, no, no. I, I she only promised me till death. I, I don't have a problem. But marriage only lasts till death. It doesn't last in the eternity. I, I, I've taught that, and some people get really stressed out. I'm sorry. I, I don't make the rules. But they're like the angels in heaven. That doesn't preclude Genesis and fallen angels and Nephilim and all that. Some people use this to try to teach that that could never have happened. Well, I don't want to open that whole can of worms. It's not a can of worms. I don't want to talk that here because we, we can develop that. But this doesn't teach that. It's talking about the angels in heaven who didn't rebel, okay? And it's concerning the dead. It's touching the dead. It's concerning the dead that they rise, have you not read <laughs> that they didn't like that? In the book of Moses, which you say you believe in, so he's, he's not going off, he's not going to say, you know in Isaiah, that book you don't even think is Bible, or the book of Proverbs, he's not going there. He's going, you know, you think Moses wrote the, all there is to the Bible. That book of Moses, let me talk to you about that. It's actually the book of Exodus. How in the bush God spake unto him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. You can look, that's what it says. And if you do the etymology of the words, I am right now the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob right now. It's continuous present action. It's like, I wasn't the God of them when they were alive. I am the God of them. And they had been deceased for hundreds of years at this point. Uh, over a thousand years. He's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Therefore, you greatly err. And he proves them. Hey, hey, he's the God of Abraham. Abraham's alive. He's not the God of the dead. How can he be the God of dead people? And if you stop, if you stop at, at when you breathe your last, if you stop existing, you're, you're, you become a non-entity. How is someone God over a non-entity? Uh, Jesus won, <laughs> Sadducees nothing. After this, it became like the debate is over. And then the Pharisees and the Sadducees have this debate. The Pharisees win because they take the words of Jesus and apply them all the time. Imagine that. And we're going to end there. That's all I've got to say. Now, next week, the, the scribes come, to, and he heard them reasoning, and he perceived that he had answered them, well, yes, which is the first commandment of all? We know the answer to that, but we'll, like I say, we'll bring it up next week. So Jesus teaches on, the resurrection life teaches on resurrection. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Uh, somebody who you love dearly died and is waiting for you in heaven. Aren't you glad? I mean, I'm a first generation Christian. I don't have any late grades. Who are, you know, and if I'm joined with my people. My people are like, I don't know, 
Moses, <laughs> Isaiah, Jeremiah. Those are my people because I don't, I, don't I don't have people. I don't have... Close to I have is Sue's mom. She loved the Lord. She passed on. That's going to be a reunion. I can't wait for that. But I just think it's going to be like... I, there's a lot of people I haven't met yet. It's going to be like super awkward. I don't think so. I think it's going to be like heaven. You know, and... But there are reunions. So you lost a, a mom or a dad, uh, a sister, a sibling, a, a, your grandmother who was a godly woman who loved to bake you cookies and call you dairy and stuff like that. And she's up there waiting for you. Isn't that a wonderful thought? There's a resurrection of the dead. This isn't all there is. If this was all there is, what's the point? What are we doing? We're of all men, saddest of all, right? And if there's somebody you love and they're not headed towards heaven yet, there's hope. We're just going to keep praying. We're just going to keep... What, what, what other option is there? Let's stand. Let's pray. And God's good. I don't you understand. God's good. We're trying to get people... Say, you don't have to talk him into something that he's, I don't like that one, I don't want to save them. Uh, no, God's not willing that any should perish. You understand that, right? You have to talk him in, he's on board. But we're going to have to liberate the captive. They're in the Satan's jurisdiction. He don't like giving up souls. He don't like it at all. Um, we have to bind the strong man. Sounds like a lot of fun. Let's do this adventure together. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's a, it's a blessing to us. It's a, it's a great source of comfort. It's, it's the answer to all of our questions. Well, the questions are the, that, are, that are important anyway. But help us to be like Jesus. We want to faithfully be able to give to every man an answer for the hope that's in us. We want to do it meekly, and we want to do it graciously, but we want to do it, Lord. So bring people to us, even this week, Lord, with the questions that help them come closer to you. And maybe even this week, Lord, many of us, several of us will lead a soul to, to salvation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.